Hey, do me a favor. Before we begin, turn to the first person that you see and ask them to name a trans person. Okay, just kidding, don't do that. But if you were to, I would wager that nearly every single name that you hear would be that of a trans woman, not a trans man, and definitely not someone who's non-binary. For all the progress that we've made, we have a visibility issue. Things are changing, but there still hasn't been a trans man that has broken through in the way that Janet Mock or Levin Cox or even Caitlyn Jenner has in terms of their fame and notoriety. All of that is just one of the many reasons why I was excited to talk to Michael D. Cohen. He's an actor on the long-running Nickelodeon show Henry Danger and recently came out publicly in Time magazine as having had transitioned over almost 20 years ago. That was in the year 2000, and as you'll hear, things were very different then. So we talked all about that, as well as what it's like to now instantly be one of the most visible men in the trans community in the world. From Luminary Media, I'm Jeffrey Masters, and this is LGBTQ&A. You know, I've been telling people that you came out recently, and that's not exactly true, is it? No, no, no. I think I think that technically I came out twenty years ago, right? And I think that like I bring that up because I think it's a really important distinction that you not disclosing to random strangers on the street is not the same thing as being like in the closet or being a secret per se. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, people can get confused about that. You know, like, I've never lived secretly. Um, it's never been, I've never, you know, my, my transition's never been a secret. Uh, have I chosen to disclose it in every single situation? No, because it's completely irrelevant to most situations. So it's, you know, so when you say, some people say coming out, I'm like, well, what does that mean exactly? Because... It's meaning it, it really what it means is I'm sharing with you my history. That's very different than coming out. And as and for the 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 GLB or the yeah, the GLB and the LGBTQ plus, right? There's a particular connotation to coming out. And the T has a different experience, right? It's it's there's because we, you know, I know a lot of people that do the LGB thing first, and then they do the T thing. <laughs> you know? So we go through all the letters. <laughs> did you do that? I did that. Yeah, sure, sure. I I did that, but more out of convenience for other people to to understand what I was doing. I never identified, you know, in the LGB spectrum. I never really identified that way. But that's what it looked like. So I just said, well, that's what I'm. I am, and. Because, like, back then, if you were doing any sort of, like, gender nonconformity, they labeled that as sexuality because we didn't have, like, language for like, other things, right? The the first thing that, for me, like, as a kid, I definitely experienced gender dysphoria in a huge way. Um, and that was, that was clear to me at a young age. That's pre-sexuality. That's pre-puberty. That was, I mean, sure, you know, I had a sense that I had a different feeling for girls than I did for boys, but... I was more aware of my gender than I was of my sexuality as a kid, which I think is kind of normal. Um, maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. But, I, but you know, those that part of your brain's not really fully formed. And so, but gender is. Gender, I knew who I was. So, but then that kind of got pushed down. Then I go through puberty and then 
sexuality kind of takes more of the foreground, right? And gender kind of takes the background because I pushed that away. And then I'm like, oh, well, I think I have these funny feelings for girls. What's that about? Oh, and, and that was, you know, back when there was no such – you could not. Lesbian, gay, that was something you don't talk about. There was nothing on TV. I mean, there was, it, there was no representation whatsoever. So that got pushed down as well. So it wasn't until, you know, later that I kind of got the sexuality thing handled. Like, oh, right, women, wow, oh, my God. The color just turned on in the world. You know, like everything was black and white, now it's in color. Is that big a change? It was huge for me, huge so that because I finally discovered, oh, that's what everybody's talking about in all these songs, right? Oh, I get it. And so that took more focus. Um, and so, but I knew, I remember saying this to my first girlfriend. I said, I don't, don't feel like a lesbian. I know I'm not a lesbian, but oh my God, you're so hot. You know, what, what does that mean? You know, so it, it took me a while to figure that out. So I took it on, you know, I took the label on, even though it didn't feel right. Well, it probably was also the case that you didn't know of another option at that time for labels, right? It was no. lesbian or not. Oh, totally. Yeah. There was what? There was no. I mean, even bi was not really. A, it was that was like that was a. It was a gateway drug. I mean, it was <laughs> it was like a gateway sexuality, right? It was like you. And, yeah. And the way that like being bi used to be the gateway for like gay and lesbians. Uh huh. Like, no, I'm bi. Okay, actually, I'm gay. Um, I find that, like, with, like, trans people, too, like, it, like gay and lesbian used to be the gateway to trans, and now, like, younger trans folks are just jumping right They're to just trans. Jumping right, because they can and because they know what it is. I didn't know what it was. Totally. There was—the only reference point I had was Jerry Springer, you know, and, and that was—it was all—it was all women. There was no guys. So I didn't even know that this was possible. And, and then the representation that was there— you know, those people on the show were treated so badly, so misgendered, misrepresented, just, you know, and they were encouraged to behave in particular ways that I didn't want to behave, you know, and that was the representation. So now we have so much more, we have so much more scope in terms of what's possible. I mean, it's just crazy. And with you only seeing trans women on screen, I would love to see the stats of like the general population that when you say name five trans people, I would think they would all probably name trans women. Oh, yeah. You know, like yeah. I think people think transgender and they only think of trans women. So yeah. that's why it's so important to have like guys like you who have transitioned like in the public eye just to remind people that like trans men also exist. Yeah, there's definitely a visibility issue um, for sure. Was that in the back of your head when you you made this big announcement in Time Magazine a couple months ago, mm-hmm. uh, uh, disclosing that you transitioned? Mm-hmm. The, the language was very uh, specific, which I liked because right. it would have been very easy to be like, "I'm trans," and it's like, "Oh, like transitioning to a woman." You know? <laughs> that would have been fun. <laughs> right. But was that in the back of your mind that coming out publicly? at this large scale makes you instantly one of the like most recognizable like men who've transitioned in public was that at the back of my mind um i think i think what was really foremost in my mind was that in order for me to be fully to move towards my fullest actualization in this this lifetime i need to do this um that was really that was really the forefront of my mind and 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 knowing that only good could really come of that publicly 
you know, that I, I wasn't going to hurt anybody by doing that. I was only going to be serving. And, and, and that was really important to me, too. I'm very, very passionate about trans youth. And um, I get choked up when I talk about it because I know what it was like for me, and I don't want anybody to go through that. And I, I think being uh, right now, being on a kid's show and having so many kids know who I am and what I do, that they need to know that this is not only possible, that it's, it, 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 it's important for them to know that whoever they are, whatever they are, whatever, however they identify, it doesn't matter. They don't have to be anything in the LGBTQ area, nothing. It, just be who you are, whatever that is. It could be, um, I'm really a mechanic inside, you know, like, you know, that live it, you know, be you. And that's what I want kids to see from this. It's not, uh, it's not necessarily a queer issue, although obviously that definitely is important and impacts kids. And I want it. I want the, the kids who do identify in, in this spectrum of sexuality and gender identity to, to know that you can do it, you can live your life, and you can choose how you do it. You don't have to live it and say, hey, I'm this, I'm that. You don't have to put certain labels on yourself. You can live according to what's true to you. And I want, I want the kids to see that on, on, no matter how they identify. So that was really what was at the forefront. It was for my own need to move forward in my life and to tell the stories I want to tell and to contribute in the way I want to contribute and to be able to be of service in, in a way that I think is important. And so even though you were out to the people in your life, did you worry that you were going to be outed publicly or that people would share it with people you didn't like feel comfortable with? Being out to people to me means they know I'm a man. That's what out means. So I'm out to the whole world, and I was out to the whole world before I disclosed. You know, being out is about being authentic, and this is my authentic self. I'm a man. So I was out as I, when I went through transition, you know, coming out was, hey, I'm a man. You don't see it because I haven't expressed it or I haven't found a way that my body, my physical presence it really expresses who I am yet, and that's in process, and that was the coming out. And then the transition was the physical process and the emotional process and all that. And I appeared to the world as a man and that is being out. And I guess that I was using out to mean like disclosing totally, about your gender yeah. history. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. I just want to like just yeah, sort of no, mark the distinction that. because I th- I totally understand what you're saying. And I, I've been writing this play, the solo show for about like 15 years or something. And it, it was, and being an actor, I think what had occurred to me early on was that someone could find out my gender history, and then they could tell the story. And I didn't want that. I wanted to be the one to tell my story. So that was at the back, back of my mind. You know, that was, and that was earlier on because as time went on, I was like, yeah, if it happens, I'll handle it, you know, <laughs> as time went on. But, but I think earlier on, that was definitely a concern for me. And so in part of that article was that you don't, you were talking about language, you don't mm-hmm. love the word transgender, mm-hmm. like for yourself. Mm-hmm. Can you just explain that to people? Because I think that the majority of listeners would say that, oh, he transitioned and so he is transgender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, here's the way I look at it is transgender describes my journey. It describes my history. It it can refer to a medical, social, uh, psychological kind of process. Um, you're transgender. It's literally you're going across the genders, right? 
And that's definitely my story, and I'm proud of that. Um, my core identity, who I am, is a man. It's not transgender. So I am a man. So I, when I say I'm transgender, if I say that, I don't feel like I'm telling the truth. It's sort of like saying I'm a lesbian back then. It's like, yeah, it kind of looks like it's true, but it's not resonating with me in my core. So all that makes sense. But if I were to say that you are a member of the trans community, you don't, um, you're fine with that. Absolutely. Yeah, because the thing is, it's what is community? Community is something that we all share something really important in common, right? That's what community is to me. Because do I know everybody who's in the trans community? Absolutely not. So, but are we all, we're all linked, I think, by the fact that we were assigned a gender at birth that didn't fit our authentic self. And that's what defines, to me, defines the trans community, and that's definitely I am part of that. Absolutely. I think it's so meaningful that you're on a kids network too, mm-hmm. on Nickelodeon. Yeah. Are you hearing from younger fans? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, younger fans and, and parents. Um, so a lot of a lot of kids saying, you know, hey, I'm I'm trans or I'm non-binary, um, or I identify as a guy too. I don't really want to say I'm trans because that doesn't feel right. And I'm so glad you said that. Like the whole spectrum. They and you know whether they say, "Hey, I'm trans too," and they just see me as trans. I, they can see me however they want. It's fine. You know, it's it, it's just that they're all they're all feeling represented in a way in a kids show, which has never happened before. Which I really love. I love that I could do that. And just to see this character who's just living in the world and doing his thing, where, like, being trans or not trans is not the most interesting part of him. No, and it shouldn't be. I mean, it's like, when, you know, if you're walking down the street and I go, wow, Jeffrey, the most interesting part, the most interesting thing about you is that you're a man. Now, I guess it depends who it's coming from <laughs> at the time and where you are. But generally speaking, don't you go, well, yeah, there's... There's a lot of other things about me that are pretty interesting or that I value or that are more relevant in this moment. And we're in agreement about that, but I don't see Hollywood acting on that. I only see Hollywood casting trans people in explicitly trans roles where, you know, the front desk worker, and um, if it's not specified as trans, like they can't see a trans person for that role. Yeah, that's changing. Yeah, it's changing. I, I would say it's changing slowly, though. Well, in my mind, it's changing fast because look where I came from. You know, my reference point is different. And so what I've seen from the time that I started, I started on Henry Danger in 2014, okay? That was before Caitlin. That was before Transparent. You know, that was, I at that time thought, well, I wonder I wonder how the producers would react to this. How would the network react? Like, you know, and I had friends saying, well, you know, you, you, you would lose your job. And I'm like, would I? Okay, I don't know. Um, to now, which is, only five years later, not even. To me, that is exponential growth. So to me, that is fast movement. Um, because in that five years, we've had a radical change in people's perspective. Are we close to where we want to be? No. You know, are we, are we at all finished? No, 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 no. You know, we, but we started, but the start is such a fast start. It seems like we're finally on the right path. Mm-hmm. We're on the right path. I think that's a good way of saying it. Do you consider your character on Henry Danger in your mind to be trans? No. Okay. No. I'm just curious because, <laughs> yeah. because the truth is, like, it, whether he is or not, it doesn't actually matter to, like, to the show. 
So I was curious. No, but there was a really funny joke uh, on one episode um, when Dan, Dan Schneider, who was the, the showrunner for most of it, um, and and they didn't they didn't know my story at this point at all. This was I think maybe third season, second season, and um, so I'm I'm there and 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 Ray uh, Captain Man, who's played by Cooper Barnes, he's an old man. He's come back from the future, and he's come back and he knows what happens to us. And he looks at Schwaz, he looks at my character, and goes, you know, oh. I see you're a man again. Meaning, like, in the future, I transitioned to be a woman. Right? <laughs> it, was so, it was like, oh, my God, it was so funny. So the, we did two takes. The first time, I, had, I was like, I didn't even understand what he said, and I just kind of gave him this look because Dan had whispered in his ear, say this, right? So I was like, wow. And then so the second time we did it, um, I just had this look on my face like, Oh my God, my dreams are coming true. You know, like, I, I can really be the woman that I am. You know, that's that was Schwa's thinking, and so, they didn't know. They didn't know. That's so funny. So, but it was it was a so the the implication was that Schwa's has some you know bit of a either some sort of inclination towards his femininity of some sort. But that was like one moment, and you know, it was a joke. Um, but it was funny in in just that they didn't they had no clue. But Schwaz is like such a freak in so many ways. Like he just he eats worms and he's like into toes and weird things. I mean, he's just he's just an odd guy in, in a great way. I want to go back because we were talking about language and I'm equally fascinated by that. Mm-hmm. You came out in the late 90s, early 2000s. Is that right? Uh, well, yeah, it was 2000. 2000. Yeah. Words like gender identity weren't popularly used then. I wouldn't have known what you were talking about if you said that then. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> so I'm wondering, like, what was the language that you used to tell other people about, like, your, like, gender? Oh, I'm trying to remember. I think, well, female to male was bigger now. Nobody really uses that. F to M. Uh, yeah, there was this, you know, F to M International was this, you know, thing in San Francisco's organization. I, you know, would get a lot of information from them. FDAM International, like, you would never have that anymore. No. Um, yeah, female to male, um, I would say, I, I think I just said, I'm a man, I'm a guy. I'm transitioning to male, was how I described it. People didn't even use the word transgender back then. That was not a word that really was around. Transsexual was, and I didn't want to use that because that was already being, that was sort of taboo, it was very medical at that time. And so that it just it 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 really all it really made you think of was someone's crotch. Um, it, it it was not an identity. And for a long time too, like the identity was like literally called like post-operative transsexual. It's only about the crotch. It for the longest time, I would say until maybe about five years ago, it was the surgery, the operation. Have you had the operation? Have you had the surgery? And I you know, and I'm like, well, first of all, there's more than one. <laughs> You know, uh, for guys, we, we, you know, there's some necessary ones that are beyond just one. Um, and, and a lot of guys choose to just have one, too. I mean, that's there's no way to do it. But there 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 are more than one option. Um, but. it Yeah, it, the focus was very much on surgery back then. And and it, and and I always veered away from that because I knew at that time the, the information that I had because it was so limited in terms of what was out there, the, the information I had was all information that I could dig and find in myself. It wasn't factual. It was experiential. It was what is my truth? What is my truth? What is my truth? And I would always just come back to that. Um, so I was transitioning. That was a word um, from female to male. That was seemed accurate. 
and I'm a man, I, I'm a guy. That was accurate. That's about all I could say. Please now address me with like the word and the name Michael. Yeah. Yeah. Please now address me. Maybe not that formal. <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, my, and um, my name is Michael. And, 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 and that was, that was kind of the extent of it. And I just had to kind of put that out there. And then all the other questions and all the other reaction, all, we all come around that. And I would just have to, it was like a, you know, it's like a tennis game of like, just, okay, I'll hit this back. But, you know. And too, like as the public's understanding of gender has evolved and expanded, mm -hmm. I, we've gotten rid of these notions of like the strict male binary or female binary that like mandates that if you are trans, you need these surgeries, like you're saying. Right. You know, like yeah. it used to be like if you don't have this, this, and this, you were not a female. Well, when I in Toronto, where I where I transitioned, there was a place called um, the Clark Institute, and that was a place that that had a gender clinic that a lot of people went through. And I I would say that I don't know how it is now, but at the time it did not have a good reputation. And you you couldn't be you couldn't be gay. If you were if you transitioned from female to male, you had to be interested in women. Oh, because it was it's like it's that binary. Yeah, it's that binary and then there therefore you're not really you're not you don't really have gender dysphoria. And like real men are attracted to women only. Right. Exactly. That was their thinking. And then they also, they, they, you had to do, that was back in the time of the real life test. The Harry Benjamin standards had this real life test, which is you had to live in your uh, gender of what you felt your authentic gender was. So it was uh, opposite to your biological sex for a year before you could get hormones, surgery, any kind of assistance. Now this, after a while, they realized that this was a, this was cruel and they stopped that. That's, so that's another reason I never went through the Clark because I didn't want to do anything. I knew what was going on. I, you know, I just needed to go and get it, get it happening and just go and get hormones. I needed to do everything. Um, but you, yeah, you couldn't have an androgynous name. It, they wouldn't, if you had, it was Chris or Pat, you couldn't change your name to any of those because they would be like, no, that's too ambiguous. So it was it was a different time. And and now people realize there's way more diversity. Uh, there's way more uh, options in terms of gender expression. You know, I mean, it's just that's why, you know, when you say, oh, it's like things are changing too slow or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I get it. But I have a reference point that is archaic in comparison. So it's. I, I see these changes and I'm in awe. Because from where you were in 2000 to now and where mm. the public is, it's quite black and white. It's a, it's a radically different universe. So where did you begin in terms of like finding resources, information? Like in terms of like, like information was not accessible then, right? It was somewhat accessible. So, so the, the internet had, you know, it was 2000. So the internet really started to, get going in like around 96, you know, it was publicly accessible. 95, I, I think I'd heard about it for the first time going, what, you're an internet researcher? What does that mean? Um, but people weren't using it. They weren't using it until the late 90s, right? So 2000, there was access. So I could have some access to what doctors were out there, um, you know, pictures, surgery pictures, things like that. There, there was some, not, nothing like there is now, obviously. Um, but there was some stuff. So that's where you began. You were yeah, going online. I began online. Yeah. Wow. So you were saying that this happened in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Why does your play you were talking about, the one man show, take place in Serbia? Oh, because that's where I went for uh, surgery. Oh, okay. And and so um, I'm it, the the play is 
uh, I mean, the, the, a revision surgery for this final step in my medical transition. I've gone through all this stuff, and I'm there for this last step. And so my character, it's a solo show, so my character is, I play all the characters. Um, but the, the character that plays me, or the, I, I what, how do you, how, um, how do you say, uh, <laughs> I wrote the damn thing, I should know. You're like, this is my life story. I know, exactly. Um, so me, Michael, is, you know, under anesthetic, wakes up under anesthetic and is, uh, is thinking, I, I'm here and this is the last step and I don't feel complete. What is it going to take for me to feel complete? Because clearly this isn't a medical thing right now. This is something else. And then the play has a narrative that moves forward tr- as I'm trying to find why I don't feel whole. Are you able to share with us here why you don't? Um, well, I don't want to ruin it for you, um, but it's kind of what we all need in order to feel whole, which is, in a way, is accepting that you feel the most whole when you accept that you never will be. You know, when you when you realize, you're, you know, say I, because this is my life, I suppose, but, um, you know, I, when I am, am able to embrace imperfection, I'm able to embrace, I will never have the me that I have conceptualized I'm supposed to be, that's when I'm going to be whole. That's amazing. I think it goes to everything we're talking about, that your gender or my gender, it's not the entirety of our identity. So it would be foolish to think that now I've transitioned and I'll be 100% happy, you know, with everything in my life. Yeah. I mean, certainly way happier. I mean, would I have been able to live my life out before transition? No. If I hadn't transitioned, that would have been the end. You know, and and I don't mean that in some dramatic, you know, you know, suicidal dramatic way. I just mean that's the truth. Like I just, I couldn't live a lie any longer, and um, so I had to transition. And and it, it was it didn't feel like a decision. It was a necessity, um, like air, like oxygen. And in order for me to breathe, I had to live my life as a man and um, live my life authentically. Oh, because depictions of trans people on screens, it's usually this, or it can be this big, like, tour dis- decision of, like, uh, is this me it or is, is this not me? Yeah. Should I go through with this? But for you, it's like, no, of course, I'm a guy. Yeah, and it is, you know, everybody has a different process. For me, it was much more, um, I think I knew all of it. I knew this, I knew this, I knew this, pushed it aside, denial, denial, denial. Finally, I've reached a point where I was like, okay, it's now or never. This is, this is life or death. What am I going to do? And I kind of dug in and had this epiphany in that moment. And it was April 26, 2000. And I had this epiphany. And I'm like, from that moment on, I lived as a man. And that was that. And, 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 and not everybody goes through something that's quite so dramatic. You know, most people don't. And in fact, I don't think I've ever met anybody who's had that kind of experience. But for me, that's just how it showed up. Um, and I think it's like good to hear that because like these, I don't want to say things, like these things present themselves in, like a thousand different ways. Mm-hmm, yeah. A friend of mine was like 35 and folding laundry and she's like, oh God, I'm a woman. <laughs> and like then she like transitioned. Oh, um, and she, like, there is another person who had an epiphany. That's great. <laughs> yeah. But like just like folding laundry like alone, like in her bedroom. And I was like, oh my God. Like, mm-hmm. is- <laughs> Yeah. The subconscious works in its own way. And it, sometimes it can like conceal things from itself for mm-hmm, so long mm-hmm. in a way that I find fascinating. It's self-preservation. You know, when you think about everything you've been through in your life, all the memories you have stored, you know, you dig back and go like, you asked me like, 
what did I have for breakfast this morning? And I, I, I'm not thinking of it in the moment. I have to go back. It's stored somewhere that's not conscious for a moment. But then you think of all the memories you have, all the people you've met, all the smells you've smelled, all the things you've tasted, the places you've been. There's a vast library there. So the subconscious is a very powerful place. And, and the way it can change, too. Like, in 2000, I bet your gender was, like, at the front of your mind. And yet now, like, I doubt it consumes that much, right? No, it's totally different relationship to it. It's, it's integrated. And, and that's at the a time, big change. It, yeah, at the time, it was suppressed. I mean, suppression and integration are very, very different lived experiences. And I've moved through both. That's fascinating. Um, in, in terms of like dating, you mm-hmm. mentioned women. You're attracted mm-hmm. to women. We can say that. <laughs> my, romantic, my romantic interests are definitely women. I don't like to assume. Sorry. I, I, I just, um, I, I don't want to like, make like the uh, only compare like men and women, but like so many trans women talk about like dating and it being like a safety issue, like when to disclose or not disclose. Mm. And I wondered if like that caused you like any stress in like your own dating life. Yeah, it does. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know. I think that the question is like, when do I tell them? Um, mainly because I I just feel like it's it's such a big part of my history. It's shaped me. It's you know you know she's I'm with a woman. She has her period, right? And and I know I I hate saying this because I just I hated that experience. But I know what that's like. You know, I have compassion for her in a way that no cis man could possibly have. That's really they, interesting. And and I can know things and take care of her. And I don't want to hold that back. I don't want to pretend I don't know that. I want to be able to be like, you know, oh, sweetie, I know it's awful. Here, let me get you a, you know, let me get you a towel for your head. Let me, you know, let me give you some Tylenol. Let me, you know, I know, I know what to do. I know how to take care of her. I know how it sucks. And so, you know. When, when it sucks, you know, <laughs> not everybody experiences their period in a negative way. I don't want to, but, but, you know, I, I know that for me, it certainly was a negative thing, but I think there's certain aspects of my experience or the way I want to express myself. I don't want to have to hold myself back. I don't want to have to edit. I don't want to have to censor anything. So that's why they need to know it, it. It isn't necessarily relevant. It's, it's not been relevant in the ways that people think it would be relevant. And, you know, I, I'm really good with picking women somehow that I know I just, They've just all been great. You know, they don't, they just see it as an asset. They think, wow, this is awesome. They don't see it as like, oh, this made me question my sexuality or something. Because they know know I'm a guy. They experience me. They know it. They don't, there's no issue there. So, you know, and and could it be that women have more latitude, more freedom in in that regard than, you know, uh, uh, a cis man with a trans woman? I think there's a lot more pressure on men around this kind of thing than there is on women. Women can be more more fluid in their own self-perception. Um, but it, that's never really come to pass either. They haven't had to, like, nobody's ever said, well, if you were that, then what does that make me now? And nobody's ever said that. They never questioned it. So, And I guess women also have, like, less societal pressure to, um, like, date someone who's cis. Like, there's less, like, questions that come up about, like, their sexuality from for women. I think there's still questions that people, because people don't understand, but they don't care so much what the answers are. They care more about the answers with the men. Oh, that's really interesting. I don't know if the questioning is any different. And you also are probably likely not 
dealing with a safety issue when you do disclose to the women. You know, it's it's usually like a, a trans woman who feels like they need to tell the guy in case like they get violent, unfortunately, which like mm-hmm. we hear a lot about lately. Mm-hmm. And that's like doesn't seem like to be your experience. Yeah. You know, it's it's the we have different vulnerabilities. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, you're right. It's generally not a safety experience. I mean, it, but it all depends on who you're dating, you know. But I, I'm pretty careful. I'm super careful. Like I'm, I'm scoping them out. I, I ask them about their politics before I disclose. I make sure that we're on the same page around politics. Because if we're not, then I'm like, oh, okay, this, this may not go the way I want it to go. I agree. Yeah. We've been talking about your one man show. What's it called? Four cubits make a man. Four cubits. Uh, I have one more question before I let you go. You worked on the show for 15 years ish. Your yeah. one man show. Yeah. You said that in 2017, that was when you could finally write the ending. Mm-hmm. Do you mind me asking what happened in 2017? I think that I realized that I can be legitimately a man, even though the world perceived me as a girl for so long. And I think that in my mind, at some point along the way, I well, along the way, because of the way the world is. And I thought that my history docked me points. And when I realized that, no, this is just a different route. And yeah, I'm as much a man as any cis guy is a man. It's not about your biological origins. You know, there's... I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I just want to share one thing before we go, because I think this is important, that gender has all sorts, we have all sorts of ways of coming to our own gender identity, and and that there's a spectrum of gender identity. It's a a spectrum. It's not a binary. And we've always thought it was a binary. The thing that is a binary, and I I have a cell biology background, so I think about science a lot. The thing that is binary is reproduction. And people mix that up with gender and sex. So because reproduction is binary, you need a sperm, you need an egg, you need a womb. You know, it's, it's, there is a, there's a definite, and, and, and can that be adjusted through, um, you know, medically? Yeah, there's guys who transition that have kids, you know, that, that there is that, but in its, in its original form, in its original biological form, we have to have a sex that's male and a sex that's female in order to reproduce. So that's where the confusion comes in. And, that is not negotiable. Oh, because someone being trans or not trans will never change those that fact of the sperm and the egg. Like, yeah. And no one trans is saying that. Yeah. Oh, that's a really interesting point. Yeah. We can't change the way reproduction works. And, and so I think on a very fundamental, primal place, people who have transitioned have that baggage. You know, and it's very, it's a lot, I mean, for me, there's a lot of grief around that. It's not, it's not that I want to necessarily father kids. I don't need that. My, you know, I, I believe in adoption, you know, like I'm totally fine. If I wanted a kid, I would adopt. I don't have, like some people have a real desire to have kids that is their own, like genetic material passed along, right? I don't have that. Um, and yet I still understand there's a, there's a kind of a grief that comes with not having the ability to reproduce in the way, like to, to have that body, you know, and that's, that's a, it's a profound kind of grief that I don't, I don't know 
I can really explain. And I'm curious. I haven't talked about this with other people of transition. I'm curious. I have a, I have a, I have a hunch that other people have this too. Um, but there's a, there's, a, there's a profound grief. Do you think that also people who have an issue with those of the trans experience, that they are tapping into that grief that like they often can't reproduce and like that they're, they have such a connection to like biological reproduction that the, someone wanting to like alter those things is like it feels like an attack or something yeah yeah i think this i mean you know when when i was i was i can't remember where i was when this sort of hit me around the reproduction stuff but i was thinking oh my god this is something that we haven't talked about like, I, I haven't heard people really talking about people. I know that I've talked with trans women who are just really have grief around not being able to bear children. Um, but there's something more societal about this. There's something about, there's something very primal about reproduction, obviously, right? It's the most, one of the most primal things we could possibly do. I scare me with how much of a like burning need I have to have like my own biological children, mm. and I don't actually know that I will. Mm. And yet, but I f- I feel that like knock inside my head saying, mm-hmm. no, "No, you want this. It is the purpose of your genes being here." Oh, that's awesome. I don't know that I'm going to listen to it, but I feel it. Well, why wouldn't you listen to it if you feel it? Because if ten years from now I'm single, I will not do it alone. <laughs> well, you don't. Yeah, and you don't know what's in store for you. But I I think that if it's something that is really driving you there's so there's so many ways but but i isn't isn't it interesting though that you have that drive you know and what is that i think that there's something it's it's complex there is there is environmental factors but i do think there is a very strong i really believe in prim, primal energy i believe that the way i know that i'm a man is something that's very primal and that 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 energy within me is very primal so this this the place that we're at in society with understanding gender identity is has not quite fully understood itself. It's it's I think we have to introduce the misconception around biology, around reproduction, and where it intersects with gender identity in order to really move forward with where we're at with relationship to people of trans experience. I'm gonna be thinking about that a lot. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Of course, thanks. That is it for today. Until next week, come find me on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at JeffMasters1. That's a great way to stay connected and recommend guests. We are brought to you by Luminary Media, Neon Hum Media, and The Advocate. The Advocate magazine is the world's leading LGBTQ news source. Come find us at advocate.com. LGBTQ&A is produced by Jonathan Hirsch, Zach Stafford, John Asante, and myself with sound engineering by Scott Somerville and Mark Bush. We'll see you next week. Thank you.